Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to an exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where we have doubled the Krebs. That's right. Last week, we were only down to one Krebs. This week, we've doubled. That means this show is going to be double the excitement and double the fun. Woohoo! <laughs> it's almost like having double mint gum. Yeah. Almost. This episode not endorsed by double mint gum. <laughs> no. Well, you no, know what? You know, be a great way to start the show. I've got some good news to share. All right. <laughs> what is that? I Cheryl got a I got a job offer the other day. Really? The only weird thing is that they wanted to pay me in vegetables, but I found the celery was unacceptable. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna admit this. Last episode we didn't have any dad jokes. I was so. <laughs> They didn't ended quite the, fit in. I know we we ended the show, and I'm like, there wasn't a single dad joke. <laughs> that was sad. Well, I was thinking about some involving airplanes, but I just couldn't get them to land. Yeah, I thought you were worried that talking about mythical beasts, all your jokes would be too unicorny. Mm. <laughs> oh, I like that one. I like that one. Wow. I can't tell if that's a compliment at this point, but I'll take it. <laughs> so, folks. It, it, it as you can tell, it's been a while. Uh, it's been another week, and this week we want to talk about a show that is probably dear to our hearts, but hopefully it won't be as uh, polarizing as Andor was. We will talk about <laughs> season three of The Mandalorian, uh, which which really interesting on the internet though has been a little bit polarizing as far bit. as people's opinions. Uh, I'm really. I'm interested to see what your guys' opinion is and as we talk through this season, which definitely had a different flavor. It did. So from the start, there was some really cool tie-ins that they were starting to show to lead up to the Ahsoka series, in my opinion. Um, and there was some very interesting character growth among several of the characters and some very interesting um, cameos. So before we go any further, I think it would be responsible of us to simply state the obvious spoilers, spoilers, oh my, the spoilers for the rest of this episode. If you have not watched all of Mandalorian season three, do not cry when you hear all the wonderful secret tasty goodness things that we throw out during this conversation. You know, it reminds me of River Song in Doctor Who when she's like, mm, spoilers. Yes, that's right. Anything that is said from this point on is your own fault if you have not watched this series and you want to complain. We'll just make it that simple. All right. So the first episode, we see them flying in the, you know, the, the uh, Nabu spacecraft has been modified. And you see the space wells in, you know, as they're traveling through uh, light speed. Mm -hmm. That is definitely a tie in to Star Wars Rebels and what happened at the end of Rebels. Uh, with Ezra and Thrawn, uh, which is really amazing to see that. And then, you know, there are a few other things. We got to say, see Zeb from uh, Rebels show up in one of the episodes, as well as several uh, different people um, that were playing other characters that I was very shocked and surprised to see them uh, in the series. Uh, one of those, of course, is good old Doc Brown. And Jack Black, <laughs> Lizzo, freaking Lizzo. Do we want to talk about these cameos for a minute? Uh, yeah, let's let's jump into those. 
Well, my, my thought on the, I don't really mind cameos, but mm-hmm. you've got to really be careful not to take the audience out of the story. Remember, all of mm-hmm. this depends on suspension of disbelief. So Lizzo and Jack Black, who I usually like in other things, in this one, it definitely came off as something of a stunt. And I thought it was really extraneous to the plot line. I didn't think it was necessary. Compare that to Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd got into a character. It wasn't Lizzo and Jack Black in a Star Wars costume. Christopher Lloyd was a character. Yes. And his cameo did not jar me at all. It fit in. And it was it was wonderful. It was fantastic. Uh, the other two just, as much as I love them normally, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I didn't think it was necessary to the storyline. Well, well, and on top of that, that particular episode is the episode that I like the least in the season. That episode, if you imagine the the plot line, the trunk line, as a linear story that's being told, you can get very close to the end of the season, and then take that linear expression and draw a loop uh, that goes over the top and then comes back where it left off because the start of that episode and the end of that episode were the parts that actually belong to the main plot. Mm -hmm. The episode itself has no impact on the story going forward. It doesn't even resolve the IG 11 problem. So there was, there, there was literally, that was, that was a phantom menace moment where you could cut the contents of that episode out with the exception of where it started and where it ended. And you would have a complete story. You could have taken the start of that episode you get the start and the end, and you could have plugged it on to the beginning or to the end of another episode, and you would have had the whole story. It definitely was a filler episode. Uh, it, you know, yeah, we, we've watched many uh, series over the years, and you you can tell when there's an episode that just it's just in there to fill up a, a t- spot, and it, that's what it really felt like. Definitely, uh, I do, I I did really enjoy Christopher Lloyd's character. He very much felt like he was a character in the Star Wars universe. And I will agree that it was just Lizzo and Jack Black playing in the Star Wars universe. And they're just like, yeah, "Yeah, here you go. Play around. We'll just give it to you. Um, And don't get me wrong. Jack Black has the ability to act. He can. Oh, he's a great actor. He's a very good actor. But the frustrating thing is, is he was just playing Jack Black in Star Wars. And so is Lizzo. So it was really frustrating. And they let they had a great opportunity to to expand on this world that has old Clone War technology robots running around. Yeah, pretty much acting as manservants for everyone around. So there was some good opportunity to play off of that. They did a little bit, but not much. Um, you know, there was a, a few catchphrases. You know, like when they went into the the android you know the droid bar and they're like we we don't serve your kind here um that was kind of a a nod back to to a new hope but really that was the one and only episode where i just felt like huh i wasn't a big fan of that one and there was nothing to gain yeah and if i could just if i could put a cherry on this one then we can move on to the next part of this topic but um that episode was directed by bryce dallas howard and after three Mm. seasons of Mandalorian, I can say definitively and with with like patterned consistency, Bryce Dallas Howard's episodes are consistently the weakest episode in each season. 
Okay. Um, hmm. a, a hot take, hot take. I, I want to be clear. I respect Bryce Dallas Howard's, uh, you know, talent lineage as well as her own personal talent as an actress. She's an incredible mm-hmm. actress. But my word, like, you know what's funny? It's before the episode ended. I actually thought to myself, I was like, that felt like a Bryce Dallas Howard episode. <laughs> and then it was all directed by, and I was like, there we go. Um, yeah. What what other episodes did she do? She did the episode in season one where Mando fights the ATST for the tribe that can't defend themselves. It's like, yeah, the, it's like the, Magnificent the Samurai. One. Yeah, the yeah. Seven Samurai Magnificent yeah, Seven. That one was, uh, that one is an, another one of those that I felt was a filler episode that it, didn't it was. add anything. Um, it it in defense of that episode, because it was season one, we found out a little bit more about like yeah. how he, you know, like like the, the practice of not taking off your helmet and things yeah. like that. And how do you eat? And, but like very, very, very little was gained in terms of the Mandalorian story. Uh, and that is consistently her gig. I'm going to well, find out what episode she did in season two and see. Yeah, and this is the thing. So th- it seems like, in my opinion, she does like a theme. So that was like the seven, you know, the seventh samurai. This one felt like Babes in Toyland, you know, when they're <laughs> fighting the Nutcrackers with the droids and that uh, a little bit, and you know, when they're in their glass bubble and no one can touch us. Okay, um, they. She also did direct the Heiress in season two. This is the episode where Bo-Katan and her and her team show up. That episode was actually of value. Okay. So I, I have to give it that. I have to give it that. But in terms of like storytelling, in terms of the drama, the emotion, all of her episodes are weaker than what we see from Dave Filoni or Rachel Morris oh, yeah. or, or you know, John Favreau or, you know, like any of the directors uh, that are on this on this uh, journey with us. Uh, she she's the one who consistently lets me down. So so now let's move on. What were your thoughts on the reveal of the Titan monster in this season? Because, you know, last season we got the crate Dragon. Mm-hmm. Now this season we get the Mythosaur. Which oh, my gosh. For the longest time, it's been extinct. You know, we've never known about it. And now we realize there is still one alive that we know of on Mandalore. That was when, when Bo-Katan dove into the water to find Din Djarin. And she was pulling him out. And then there's that moment with like the eye and the tusk. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's a mythosaur. You know, like <laughs> I was, I was freaking out for a second. Um, but it also, it was so poignant in how it set Bo-Katan sort of unintentionally on her path to redemption within the eyes yeah. of the watch. Um and then they almost immediately threw that away because she can walk in both worlds, you know, yeah. like, uh, but even so that was, that was a character redemption moment for Bo-Katan and, and you could see the character change and I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. No, it, I think it was fantastic. I, I really it, liked it too. Um, and I love how we're getting these mythic beasts back. Um, you know, we had the crate dragon which definitely came back larger than we thought. It looks like the Mythosaur is probably just as big, if not bigger. Uh, so that was fantastic to see. Uh, not only that, I, I do like how it did set Bo-Katan on a, re- a path of redemption, like you said. It was really cool. We also found out how she lost the Darksaber um, mm-hmm. in this season and and why. And it wasn't... It, it was 
for a really, in my opinion, really selfless and valid reason. You know, she was trying to save her people and she was betrayed uh, yeah. by Darth Gideon, not Darth, Moth Gideon. Moth Gideon. He almost looked like a Darth with that horrible helmet. We'll talk about that in a second. He was wearing. But um, yeah, it was really cool to see that. And not only that, it was cool to start seeing the Mandalorian tribes reuniting and going to Mandalore. And Mandalore isn't this wasteland. It actually is livable. And then finding people that were living on it. And they had small little gardens and places that they resided on. Um, It was just, it was exciting to see the Mandalorians come. And I'm pretty sure, you know, our friends in the Mandalorian Mercs were just like, yeah. You know, seeing the Mythosaur, seeing Mandalore, uh, the Mandalorians returning to Mandalore and all that. Um, and uh, I, I just, it was exciting to see that. You know, the larger story of season three was the restoration of the Mandalorians as, yeah. I don't want to say a race, um, but yeah, as a, as a, as a tribe. There are tribe. people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there are people. I mean, anyone uh-huh. from... The planet Mandalore and its surrounding moons are Mandalorian. Yeah, and foundlings. Yeah, <laughs> foundlings. Yeah, um, foundlings. Yeah. So up until this point, I mean, you know, the whole the whole Mandalorian mythos started with Boba Fett. Yes, they showed it up in the movies, and he was kind of a lone wolf, and that in the canon um, movies there wasn't really much of mention of other. Mandalorians, we didn't see very many others until Din Djarin. And he behaved primarily like a lone wolf. And mm. a, but you but they expanded a little bit on the lore by saying they've got this covert. They've there's a few other people, but all of them act as lone wolves that have a common code that mm-hmm. they follow. Well, and because uh, at that time only one was allowed on the surface at a time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there was a lot of this emphasis on the one, the individual. As the season has gone on, season two, season three, the Book of Boba Fett, they have really added more and more Mandalorian-related characters. They have expanded upon the lore. They've explained to the audience the planet, the culture, um, and, and, you know, they're neither rebel nor empire. They're kind of independent but they're affected by both yes and so i would say that that part of it it could it could go bad but so far i'm really liking this part they're doing a good job of adding to it and building the world that's the word i'm looking for they're building the world and adding to what we started off with now they have to be really careful, and the way Dis- and moves that Disney has been making recently make me a little bit scared, mm. uh, because you can't if you're if you're just doing this to milk the cash cow. Eventually, your fans will turn away. It's got to serve the story. Go back to Lizzo and Jack Black. That didn't serve the story. Not one so bit. Be careful. Disney, like you listen to our podcast, be careful adding to this that it serves the story and please have some continuity. This episode not endorsed by Disney. The one thing I do do like, though, is their world building. They're telling you this information, but in a way that doesn't say you should go watch Clone Wars to know this. 
no, we're still giving it to you. And those people that do know Clone Wars, this is making it really exciting for you because you know what it was, what Mandalore was like before. You know who Satine was, you know, Bo-Katan's sister that Obi-Wan was in love with, that died at the hands of Darth Maul. You know all these things, but it's okay that you don't, if you don't know those, because we're going to tell you the things that have happened so that you care about these characters and really want to see them succeed. I mean, when those jet troopers come in, man, I was just like, ah, this is crazy. Um, oh, and then when the, the heavy gunner, when he he locks him behind that door and you see his gun, he's just blasting his gun so much. It's yeah. literally yeah. melting. was amazing to see. So, you know, this brings me to sort of like a, a more generalized question here. But um, this season, like you were saying earlier, Daniel, it's a bit more polarizing than the previous two seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, the first season, the second season, generally speaking, were positively received and scored very high on an episode per episode basis. But this season is a little bit more of a mixed bag. And yeah. I think we could all agree that this season does feel different than the first two. Yes. So my question to both of you, starting with, uh, let's start with Matthew. Um, let's start with what do you think this season got wrong? And just so you guys know, I am going to ask what the season got right. So, so just briefly, what do you think this season got wrong generally or specifically? Uh, um, that's a tough one. Uh, I had, I wasn't as invested in the storyline of the, um, what's what I'm the, looking the for? The doctor? The, the empire people that have been reconditioned, uh, mm, or mm. brought into, they're, they're, they're trying to atone for their, their past. And, you know, you got the double agent in there, of course, that we've seen before. Um, all of that stuff was going on and I'm like, this doesn't connect with the Mandalorian storyline. There was that one piece where she gets in the way and sabotages an effort, but even that was just a very, very tenuous thread between the Mandalorian story and the, um, Rebel Alliance, um, what's the going Republic. on with them. Yeah. The Republic. Yeah. Thank you. The Republic stuff that's going on. And I'm like, why are they sticking this in here? So I, I think that that's going to resolve into additional stories, perhaps in Ahsoka, perhaps in other series or future seasons of The Mandalorian. But that felt out of place to me in this. Um, and then one thing that oh, there's another thing that kind of stood out to me, the rebel pilot, excuse me, Republic pilot finds mm -hmm. the shuttle transporting Moff Gideon. And I'm like, nobody, there wasn't anybody who cried foul when this guy didn't show up for trial. And that when he gets there and through tech reasons, uh, he's able to determine that this scrap of metal in the wall was Beskar steel. And he says, Mandalorians, and it goes nowhere. I mean, that's an obvious thread that... Well, we got to investigate the Mandalorians. Why did they break out Moff Gideon? And then, of course, at the end, we find out that they aren't the only ones that have Beskar steel armor now. Uh, but that whole thing, it didn't go anywhere. And when Mandalorian walks in and talks to that pilot face to face later, he doesn't even question him. Doesn't ask about Moff Gideon, doesn't do anything. So things like that are dropped story threads. I think that's another, uh, that's a little little mistake they made. I think I think you're absolutely right. Daniel, what do you think this season did not get quite right or, or, did, yeah. or did it completely wrong? 
Well, first, I'm going to agree with Matthew. Um, uh, the side arc definitely did not fit. It's much like season two with Mon Mothma. It just didn't fit with the story. And even then, going into season three, what did anything that Mon Mothma went through in season two affected this season? Nothing. When you like, said Mon Mothma, yeah, well, isn't that Andor? Mon Mothma was an Andor. Was that Andor? Never that mind. That was Andor. I know, I know. Okay. It starts to blur right now because there's okay. a lot of Star Wars universe. But <laughs> so it, 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 well, I'm just but proving they, my own. Your, your have, point, your point remains. Your point is yeah, valid because that these was a bit weird. Stories that yeah. don't contribute to the actual story. Yes. Um, so will that? I mean, and really, she was working for Gideon. Like, it, I don't see how this is going to resolve into uh, Ahsoka. Maybe it will. I don't know. But it really felt out of place. The second thing, I do agree. He goes out, he investigates, and like no one worries, you know, or or does anything. Um, they kind of hint that, oh yeah, he was killed uh, in a shuttle explosion. Well, why didn't anyone bring the shuttle in to do a CSI sweep? I mean, that seems like a logical thing. Okay, well, why did it explode? Who who? You know, was it an attack? Was it a malfunction? Like that, at least to me, that seems like that would have been the first thing for a high priority target like this. You know, was this done intentionally? But it's just floating out there, this Lambda shuttle that he flies up to. And then, you know, he finds the Beskar armor and doesn't question. But he offers a job to him. So there, those are some things. The other thing I really think why is so polarized is because the previous two seasons have been focused solely on Din Djarin. It's been his story. It's been a singular thing where he's going out. You know, we hear the old West tune every time he shows up mm-hmm. and it's been all about him. This season was more about Bo-Katan. This is more about her journey. Din Djarin was kind of a side character along for the ride. And so was Grogu. I don't, I think that's what really separated this um for most people yeah i think you could also say that it, that grogu had some growth some character growth in this in the story as well i mean they all did i i didn't think dean dejarin had some growth uh a lot the armorer did several of the mandalorians did um but i really feel like this season was not his story it was bo katan's and he was just along for the ride. And I think that's what's upset a lot of people because from the beginning, it's been his story, his arc. And we kind of got sidetracked so that, it, you know, it's like the Book of Boba. You know, it was Boba Fett's story. And then suddenly Din Djarin shows up and now it's the Mandalorian now. Um, or I should say Dances with Tuscans and then Din Djarin shows up. <laughs> but, you know, you know, to that point, though, and I'm a little mixed on this one myself, to be honest, but... Um, I, I think there's always something beautiful in having a uh, like a poly meaning to a statement or a yeah. common phrase or the title, just like The Walking Dead uh, as a title for the show. When you realize that that title does not refer to the zombies, it refers to the living, yeah. then oh, like like it, it has such a, an incredible impact on the meaning. In this case, The Mandalorian refers to Din Djarin for part of the story. 
But then the Mandalorian refers to Bo-Katan and the Mandalorian for at least a portion of it refers to Grogu. I mean, right. you could, I mean, honestly, you can even say the Mandalorian is the race, the Mandalorian race. That's true. Uh, the Mandalorian people. I'm not, ag- I honestly, I enjoyed this season. I'm not against it, sure, but I can sure. see where people are like, well, this is about this guy. Now you're making it about her, you know? Well, That's it, true. Honestly, and th- I, as a whole, I think his story led up to these events. We saw the seeds planted last season with Bo-Katan. And, you know, and her kind of obsession over the Darksaber. And then he ends up with the Darksaber. And then he struggles with the Darksaber. And then things happen where he gets defeated by that weird cyborgian creature that is reminiscent of uh, General Grievous. It is reminiscent of Grievous. Uh, She saves him. And I really like how we handled her acquiring the Darksaber in a way that didn't involve the two of them having to fight in single combat to the death. Yes, I agree with that. I thought that I thought that that was a piece of genius. That was obviously a story beat that they planned from the beginning. Yeah. You know, and that was fantastic. Now, the biggest heartbreak, and you know, I, I wish we had Alton on the show for this, is what happens to the dark saber. I know, right? <laughs> I, there's so much of me that hopes that the armorer can can restore that. Um, I, I also have some thoughts on this one. I think that the reason that this season has a, you know, leaves a different aftertaste for a lot of people is exactly what you guys have been talking about. If you think back, like focus to the highlights and the major points of season one, mm-hmm. just season one. Season one had a rather brutal feel. Think about the very first episode. Din is there. He, you know, approaches the first target that we see him go after. You know, he walks in all ching ching, you know, with his spurs jingling and and his rusty you know uh earthy looking beskar and then and then he and then he throws his line i can bring you in hot or i can bring you in cold you know Mm -hmm. and like and then and then they they touch on that later in the season they have a good throwback you know and then and then what happens he gets into a fight he's quick drawing he ends up like lassoing a guy pulling him into the door and then shooting and closing the door on the guy cutting him in half it's a brutal season and then second season was that but but like on a larger scale and it yeah. still fit and, and and of course you see din uh growing as a character grogu's growing as a character you get to you get to season three and i for me the thing that i don't agree with that i wish they had not done i understand why they you know i understand how we got here but i wish they hadn't this season has this strawberry taffy thread of cuteness sewn throughout like the first episode of season three there is tons of adorableness between grogu and the anzellans um and there's lots of like little cute grogu moments you get later in the season and then even when grogu is like training quote unquote with the foundlings he's you know he he feels more like a puppet than he's ever felt before and you know what's his maneuver he jumps forward then he jumps back and then he just shoots three times while this kid is just standing there like an idiot right like and then and then you know he has fun with IG12 no 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 yes yes and then at the you know, there were lots of cutesy bits with yeah. Grogu even in the last episode which is supposed to be high stakes in the very, very last episode, when he's like fighting the Praetorians, it honestly, I, I started I started losing my suspension of disbelief because he felt like a kid's puppet 
running along a rail, jumping unbelievably, even with the use of the force, just all those things. That cuteness thread, I think, watered down the Mandalorian experience as established the previous two seasons. That's what I think is the biggest thing they got wrong. I think I agree with you on that. It's, you know, we have to move away from the cutesy factor um, because, uh, I mean, quite frankly, I, I think it's worn out. We got it in season one. We got it in season two. But now he's with the Mandalorians. You know, the cutesiness has to go away. You know, he can still have silly moments. But, I mean, when are we going to play that out for the next couple of seasons? Like, we all yeah. know what happened with Jar Jar and his nonsensical stuff. We, Which we they just, kind of redeemed in this season, right? We, we At least got the tired end. of it. Now, that is another, that is another cameo that I want to... Uh, mentioned that was amazing the the jedi that saved grogu that is the actor that played jar jar binks yes and a menace and i am so thankful they gave him another chance to play a much better character a hundred percent because he has borne the brunt of that role for a long yes. time ahmed best ahmed yes. best he is a much better actor than the credit he was given for Jar Jar. Yes. And, and in that vein, if you don't mind me jumping in on this one real quick, um, let's talk about what the season got right. And Daniel, yes. you're already on this thread. So, so keep running with it. Let's talk about what the season did. Right. I mean, I think what they did right was reuniting the Mandalorians. I think that was a very, very important thing is that they united them as, as a clan, as a people. Um, and not only that, they put the rightful leader in place, which is Bo-Katan, uh, because her sister has passed away. According to the, the royal lineage, she would be next. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that was something that they did right, bringing us back to Mandalore. Not only that, the defeat of Moff Gideon and the really cool battle with the TIE Advance going up against the light cruiser and what they did with the light cruiser to take out the base. Uh, I think that was fantastic. Um, the interactions that they had, um, and then ultimately bringing IG-11 back as the the sheriff of, of Navarro, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, and the little things that interwove lead, that's leading us up to Ahsoka, Zeb showing up, hints at, at Thrawn, and, you know, again, that conference with moff gideon and all the other moths you know and it's like when is thrawn showing up we keep hearing that he's going to be here but when is that going to happen you know so the heir to the empire will show up soon i think those times were brilliantly done the bringing back the the mythosaur these are all really good things and still delivering it in a really good storyline now i do understand that some people aren't a fan of that but I still think they still delivered a good quality Star Wars series that is enjoyable. It may not be everyone's cup of tea, and I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna probably bite some teeth, but it's still <laughs> better than Man Andor. <laughs> <laughs> but, think, but Andor is still better than Willow. I was about to say, I was about to say, like you know, you know the whole like better love story than Twilight. Now it's gonna be better, better Disney show than Willow. Right? Yes. So yes. that's good. Matthew, what did this season get right? Oh, they continue to have high quality stories. Mm -hmm. And 
it's really important. I don't think it can be said too often um, that without good writing, the rest of it doesn't matter. Yep. Uh, you've the, the stories, the way they interwove this stuff, like Daniel was saying that they've added more information without necessarily exposition. Uh, they were definitely doing a lot more showing. Um, and I like that. Now, when they were on the, the planet and he was with the other Mandalorians and they, uh, the foundling got kidnapped by that flying creature. Oh yeah. Um, they all took off with their jetpacks. I love that they ran out of fuel. Yes. Because yes. they never, that never happens, right? The, those are limited it's a limited resource. You can't just fly forever on this. Now, in the final battle, when they they went, they got they reached escape velocity. They went from the surface to orbit and back again. That, that was a little hard to swallow. Yeah, after just establishing that in previous episodes, ah, uh, you guys are kind of pushing things here a little bit. So that, but um. But I love that they did that, that whole thing of Bo-Katan proving herself to them, doing a good deed, <clears throat> Mandalorian making friends with the heavy gunner, uh, saving his son and everybody. And nobody talks about it. Nobody belabors it. They just look at each other and they say, this is the way. This is the way. And that's it. It's just like, you know, and, and it, everything is wrapped up in that. I got your back. I would do the same for you. I owe you a favor. You can, whatever it is you want to say, it's just, this is the way. Mm -hmm. And it, I loved the way that that ep the emotional response that that episode uh, got for me. Uh, loved that part. So the, the writing and things in that, I thought were really good. Um, and I think that, and then we've already mentioned all the other stuff, but for me, it'll be the writing. Nice. So uh, one thing I want to mention, did anyone notice what was up on the the big meat or uh, roast yes corners yes. Uh, when everyone came together yes like <laughs> okay so i saw that creature and there was that part of me that was like okay hang on a second is that one of the quote unquote foundling things that they brought back or is that one of the creatures that you know we saw din fight in the first season mm -hmm. um uh but it definitely had a turducken shape well so when they come back after saving the boy, they bring they unload those little bird things. The the giant meat on the the spigot is the same dimension and shape as those little baby birds. Yeah, I didn't want to believe that was the case, but <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely looks like it. So, um, you know, that's okay. They can still eat baby bird. It, you know, it's it's light and fluffy. Uh so well, it just depends on how long you cook it. Let's not dry it out, right? <laughs> yeah. They should have used a pellet smoker, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what I thought that this – I thought you guys made great points, excellent points. Um, I agree with you. The thing that I would add on top of this – and this is – I mean, you guys hit the, the big salient things, right? Um, but one thing that we got out of this season that honestly gave me that that childhood joy – that I got at certain points in seasons one and two, this, this season more than the other two seasons combined has the best dog fights. Oh yeah. Like mm. aerial combat, yes. the whole in the Canyon dog fight with Bo-Katan and Din Djarin versus the Imperials. Gosh, 
Dang, that felt good. That was a ruckus good time. I have the Star Wars Squadrons video game, and I have a flight stick that I used to play that game. And it's it's not exactly one of my favorite games of all time, but if you're going to play that game, having a flight stick is the only way to play that game. It is so freaking good that way. And I saw that episode, and I haven't played that game in several a month, right? Like many months have I not played that game? I saw that episode and almost immediately I wanted to don my virtual flight helmet and get back in the cockpit. The 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 dog fights in this season, it wasn't just one. They had a few. Oh, yeah. The, the, the aerial combat in this season was so freaking choice. Um, they, they almost did that in lieu of like the bounty hunting adventures. If you look at season one and two, they did bounty hunting so extremely well that's you know that was great stuff season three is zero about bounty hunting yeah it is zero about bounty hunting it's more about it's more about the mission to bring together mandalore that's the yeah. whole thing right in fact i guess you could look at it and say that din is his own bounty right like his mission at the start is to be redeemed it's to find yeah. the living waters uh in the minds of mandalore and so he is his own bounty yeah. I guess you could look at it that way. But the dog fights were absolutely phenomenal. That was that was the thing that stood out to me as like the the best addition to the to the Mandalorian experience in this season. Yeah, I mean you don't you not even in the movies do you really get to see that because it's you know, in the movies it's a scattered mess. But you get yeah. to see this almost up close. It looked very reminiscent of like the dog fight uh, style that you saw in uh in like Maverick or Top the Gun. Second Mag- Maverick move or Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Um and I really enjoyed that. You know, they flow f- were flying in between each other. I mean when they took out that cruiser that the pirate had um uh-huh. and the way they were flying uh was beautiful. But not only that, what I really appreciated was you know the ships that I saw in Clone Wars that the Mandalorians flew, but they're also troop carriers. The bottom just opens up and they just drop out and then yeah. ignite their jetpacks, which was amazing and fantastic. Oh, I loved so, Bo-Katan's fleet. Yeah. It, so I am really excited about that. So the only other thing, you know, maybe we could I don't think the armorer can rebuild the Darksaber. That's definitely a Jedi thing. But Ahsoka is still around. Luke is still around. Maybe. Maybe that's how it gets repaired, but I don't even know because it was such a unique blade. Well, you know what I keep thinking about? In terms of Grogu, Grogu is the first Jedi Mandalorian since the first Vishla, right? That's true. Or it was, you know, since since the creator of the Darksaber. Yeah. He's the first Jedi Mandalorian, and that gives me incredible hope for where they're going to take this story. Yeah, And maybe he's the one that ultimately restores it. I don't know, but that was so sad to see that go and get crushed. Yeah. That was a piece of Star Wars history just yeah. destroyed in a moment. <laughs> yeah, but we'll have to see. It, it, my opinion, I don't think it gets an A plus this season. Yeah, how would you grade this one? I would give it an A minus. It's not quite as strong as the other seasons, but it's still good enough to be a good part uh, of the Mandalorian mythos. And I really wish Disney would start putting them out on Blu-ray and DVD to buy I hate how they're keeping a hold of it so you can keep your Disney Plus subscription. I want a copy of these so that I can take it on a road trip where I don't have internet and still watch because they're that good to watch. Um, But it definitely delivers. It's a great story. 
with the exception of that little bubble that we've already talked about. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I loved it from beginning to end. We had our final full story arc with Moff Gideon. We have tendrils leading out to the next season ends into Ahsoka, and we're seeing the Mandalorian people come together. Yes. So I, I, I enjoyed it. Matthew, how would you let her grade this one? I would give it a B plus. Um, the other, there were other seasons I think were better. This one wasn't focused on the Mandalorian so much. Uh, there was some good moments in it. There were some bad moments. B is not a bad grade. Um, oh, no. So no. I would say B plus. And a B plus is pretty close to an A minus. It's just uh, a <laughs> short few points. And you know what? That's where I am too. Uh, season two is my A plus. Mm -hmm. Season one is my A. And I'm trying to decide if this is a B plus or an A minus. It really did what it what it brought to like the future and and the story hooks that it presented. I want to give it an A minus, but I want to drop it to a B plus for spending way too much time uh, on the convert episode and especially the completely useless Lizzo Jack Black episode. Yeah. Um, those two episodes, two episodes out of eight. Is that right? Yeah. Two episodes out of yeah. eight? Yeah. Um, that, that is... That that's is, almost a fourth. Yeah, that's 25% of the show was something you you could actually discard. Yeah. So, but instead of giving them a C at a 75, right, I'm going to give them a B plus, all things that, considered. That's fair. And I mean, the real reason for my A minus is because I watched The Clone Wars. I watched Rebels and I got those fun tie-ins that I enjoyed. Yes. Those, which gave me that extra bump. So, but still, B plus is still not a bad grade. I agree. I agree. It is a good show. It is a great show. I love this show. Okay, folks. So this is our review of season three of Mandalorian season three. <laughs> uh, we would love to know your thoughts. We'd love to know your opinions. Please let us know. Email us at info at dungeoncrawlersradio.com. Uh, and if you see us out and about, uh, yeah, come say hi. We love that. It, you know, we had people at FanX do that. Uh, we're going to start doing some live. Uh, well, we even did live uh, live event recently uh, for, for the D &D. Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, we're going to be doing some live recordings at some game stores nearby. So we'll be letting you know when those are happening. Definitely come by and say hi. Uh, but we're going to continue to give you great shows. We're going to have some great author interviews coming your way. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff. There's some great movies coming out. Uh, there's The Flash. Uh, we get to see Michael Keaton suiting back up as Batman. Uh, we're going to, not only that, there is, what other uh, superhero movies? Uh, Aquaman 2 is maybe coming out. Uh, yeah, Guardians, uh, of, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Guardians oh, of the yeah. Galaxy. That, that's the that's the one I was thinking of. Oh my gosh. I, that will be coming out. Uh, we, we've got some good movies coming our way that we'll definitely be seeing. We'll definitely be giving those reviews. There's more series coming out like Ahsoka uh that we can talk about uh there's going to be more star wars content obviously but not only that we're going to be focusing on, on talking about other things like star star trek discovery gotta talk about that and yes oh, yeah, i have watched a star trek series and i binge watched it because i enjoyed it that much i am so wow. freaking proud of you daniel wow this is really weird but i'm admitting it now i like the star trek series i'm looking forward to that episode and, and i will admit it's probably because i have an anson mount crush um uh, anson mount is worthy of a man crush oh my gosh end. after watching hell on wheels man uh yeah mm, yeah he's a guy. guy 
and in him playing a Starfleet captain, yeah, it still it works for me. Uh, <laughs> especially you know, first episode when he's on a horse, it was like such a callback, and he had the beard. So yes. look at your captain now. Look at me now. Back to your captain now. Back to me. <laughs> yes, yes. So we'll we'll talk about that. Um, the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who is coming up this year. Uh, we'll have to talk about. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of going. This is a huge, okay. huge year. Yeah, and, and then, the 40th anniversary of of Kroll <laughs> the Jedi. Actually, um, when this episode launches. Uh, there will Return be an the Jedi event. will be in theaters for a week to go wow. see, and that is a must, must go see. Yeah, Return so. of the Jedi is all right, but I was referring to Crawl. Yeah, I know you were. <laughs> I, know. I know. In the immortal words of Han Solo, I know. Yeah, well, we all know where I stand. I love the movie, but um, if it were between, there's no buts. There's no if buts. I had to choose between Kroll and Return of the Jedi, you know which one I'm going to. And it's yeah, the answer the is the glaive. The answer is, is double feature. <laughs> okay, I can only pick one. There can only be one. There can only be one. This is the way. Wrong franchise. <laughs> but hey, I am a I am a McLeod, so I can say it. Anyways, all right, folks. With that said, we'll catch you next time. And my little nerdlings, remember to always let your geek flag fly, for this is the way. And whether you are a foundling or you are dyed in the Beskar Mandalorian, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us.